It's Laban Ditchburn, and I really hope you're enjoying the podcast. The reason for this message was this. If you have your own podcast or your own YouTube channel, or you're seriously thinking about starting something up in order to get your message out into the world, I want to make something available to you. Go to podcastingheroes.com for your free five-day video training. Well, I will share with you five key tips and tricks that will allow you to reach out and connect with the best podcast guests available. And not only just bring them on, but to develop relationships with them that build into know, like, and trust that will eventuate in you being invited onto their platforms if you so desire. You'll be able to learn how to monetize even if you don't have a big audience. Go to podcastingheroes.com. It's P-O-D-C-A-S-T-I-N-G-H-E-R-O-E-S.com. Ladies and gentlemen, Kevin Sorbo. Kevin, welcome to the show. Welcome to Become Your Own Superhero. Hey, it's good to be here. Thanks for having me on. It's good to talk uh, to uh, the part of the world that's near and dear to my heart. New Zealand and Australia combined are a big part of my life. Probably, probably nine years of my life have been spent down in those areas. Well, that was the catch card that I really used to get your attention, Kevin. And I, um, I'm a very proud New Zealander. And uh, my beautiful fiance Anna here is... Uh, from from the great country of Russia, but was always a massive fan of New Zealand. So uh, again, we uh, we're so appreciative that you uh, made the time to join us today, and we're very excited. Kevin, I want to start with a uh, a curly one. All right. I just played you off camera the wedding song to your beautiful wife Sam Sorbo. Yes. <laughs> Can you share with us how you met this extraordinary woman? Uh, on the set of Hercules, actually, she came down every, about every, you know, each episode took about two and a half weeks to film and every episode they always brought down a beautiful woman for me to work with. So it was a great dating service for me. And, um, that's how we ended up meeting on the show. She came down, it was season, season four. She came down there and, uh, I was, um, I was, I, I, I'm, I'm a big flirt. I'm a big flirt. And, uh, I started flirting with her right away and she's laughing at me because I said, how are we going to make this work? And she says, what are you talking about? And I said, well, we got this thing called the Pacific Ocean, this large water hazard between us. And I'm in New Zealand. You're up there in Los Angeles. And she laughs at me and she says, look, number one, I don't date actors. Number two, I don't date guys with long hair because back then I had long Hercules hair, of course. And I, I said, well, I'm making pretty good money with the long hair right now. But uh, I just kept bugging her and bugging her and bugging her. I wore down and uh, a week later, we went out on our, our first date, and uh, I don't know. We just we just hit it off, and it just sort of accelerated from there. We had she came down to do, I think it was like the second to the last episode of the year, and then um, we kept in touch during the next episode of shoot. And she's back in LA. She was working on a series called Chicago Hope at the time, and uh, I flew from New Zealand to uh slovakia bratislava slovakia to shoot a movie there called call the conqueror called the prequel to conan the barbarian and um i flew her over and she spent like three weeks with me there and um we got a call during that time the studio universal studios had no had no idea that we were we were seeing each other at the time they called me up in slovakia there and they said hey um we really like the chemistry between you and sam jenkins you think uh, could you work with her again they're really nice to me to make sure that i like and i said yeah she's all right why what do you got in mind and they said, well, we've got a three-show a three show arc, so she'd be down there for about six, six and a half weeks. So um, I told her that, and then that was that was it. I mean, we had all that, you know, we had about 
two and a half months that we spent quite a bit of time together and I proposed within six months. So there you go. Kevin, um, I feel truly blessed that I met a person of my dreams. How did you realize that Sam was the one? You know, it's, it's, it's weird. I, I got, I, you know, it sounds corny, but I think it's a chemistry thing. I think it's, uh, I mean, you can be attracted to people in your life, but it, it was, uh, it was more than that. It was just, uh, it, it was, I only, we worked on a Friday night together. My brother was visiting. My older brother, Tom was visiting with his, his son, my nephew, Craig. And, um, they had only been in town about two or three days and we had a three day weekend. So we worked on Friday together. And then we flew down to Queenstown because um, I wanted to, we went, went skiing down there. And um, it, it was weird that during the ski trip the whole time, I'm thinking of this girl and I only met her one day. And I had weird, I had weird images of getting a house and a dog and a picket fence and all this stupid stuff that I never would have thought of doing. Because I was, I was pretty much a confirmed bachelor in my, well into my 30s. And I was in my mid-30s. And uh, I was the only one in my family that wasn't married. All my four siblings got married in their 20s. Uh, my parents gave up on me because I seemed to have a different girlfriend every Christmas. So um, it, it was weird for me to have these thoughts. And I knew I told my brother about it and he's going, well, uh, man, I don't know. It sounds like something's happening here. And I'm very good at, at, at my dialogue. I memorize my word lines. Well, I, I hit my marks. I do stuff. That first night working there, I couldn't, I, I lost, I'm looking at her straight on. I couldn't remember my dialogue, which was weird. And she thought I was being either a jerk or a guy that wasn't professional. And I looked at Michael Hurst, who played Eolus, my sidekick on the show, and I said, Michael, help me out. He goes, dude, you're on your own, you know, because he could tell something was going on. So I, I kind of knew right away. It was like a lightning bolt. Well, uh, you've given, you've given a, a, lot, a lot of men hope, Kevin, because I was 38 when I met Anna. And uh, for anyone that's listened to any of the previous podcasts, I know that Anna is the woman that I knew that I wanted to meet but was really beginning to think it, it wasn't going to happen. And it, and it was the result of really the back end of five years of, of hard work, of transformation and, and uh, putting, my, putting myself in a position where I could truly be loved. And, I, and reading your book or a couple of your books now and, and you know, doing more and more research, trying to really understand who you are, I've got a newfound appreciation for you. And, and uh, apart from your book being hilarious, um, it's, it's really inspirational. So, you know, we're very grateful for that. You know, I didn't want to write that book. I'll be honest with you. I mean, for those that don't know at the end of season five on Hercules, um, I suffered three strokes and, uh, it was, it was out of aneurysm way up here in my shoulder. I didn't know about that. I've been spitting blood clots into my arm and I was having all kinds of problems with my, my hand was cold. These fingers were really numb. My arm was aching, bugging me. But, you know, I was, you know, I was shooting 12 to 14 hours a day. I was lifting weights an hour and a half every day. Um, I was getting maybe four hours of sleep. And after five years, that I think that had something to do with my, my getting sick. But uh, to basically get three, three blood clots into the brain, I mean, I could have been killed. I could have been paralyzed the rest of my life. Um, I guess I was lucky in one way where it affected my vision and affected my balance. Uh, but it took four months to learn how to walk and balance again to some degree. And it took me three years to fully recover. I mean, I still have symptoms. I still have a 10% loss of vision of both eyes um, that I've gotten used to. Um, but uh, I still have balance issues when I get really tired, but people wouldn't be able to tell. But the last couple of years in Hercules were grueling for me. They were tough. I went from a 14 hour day to one or two hours a day. They had to work around me. 
And my wife bugged me to write this book and I didn't want to write it because the male ego, right? You don't want it to show people how weak you become. As, and I'm playing Hercules on top of it. And um, she said, you don't understand, Kevin. People know you around the world. I mean, by the season three, we actually became the most watched TV show in the world. We're in 176 countries. And Russia, I got a lot of fan letters from Russia, I got to tell you. I was and, your youngest one. <laughs> so um, I, wrote, I wrote the book. And I, I didn't want it. I wanted it to be motivational. And it's amazing. My wife was right. Because when I started doing, going to bookstores and doing autograph shows and signing my book, I people came up to me that were not only stroke survivors, but cancer survivors, car crash, heart attack, whatever it may be. And they said, your book motivated me to stop feeling sorry for myself. And the true strength title really came from on Hercules. I had a bunch of stunt guys making me look like a big stud. Okay. I mean, I was doing most of my own fight scenes. I loved it because I'm an athlete and I loved just the choreography of it all. And my stunt guys were awesome. And the book was called true strength because we're all going to hit a roadblock in life. You just don't know when it's going to happen. I don't care what age you are. You're, you're always, we're going to hit many times when life doesn't work out the way we want it to work out, whether it's an illness, whether it's losing a job, going through a divorce, whatever these things may be that are, that are huge on people's lives. Um, you got to come up with a way, instead of blaming God, the world, the universe, family, friends, you got to look in the mirror. I mean, you can cue Michael Jackson's song, man in the mirror, but you got to look in the mirror and say, you know what? What am I going to do? It happened. Okay. Am I going to sit here and whine the rest of my life? Or am I going to push forward and try to try to get through this? And uh, if I ever got too down, my wife would be the one that would, you know, smack me. She's a tough New Yorker. So um, she just said, you know, you got it, it happened, Kevin. Now you're going to feel sorry for yourself and do something about it. And thank God I'm a strong willed person. And that was formulated, formulated in my early years because my parents, I'll say my dad ruled the hand with uh, the family with soft thunder hands, you know, um, he, he was a very low key guy, but boy, when you got him mad, you got him mad. So, but, uh, there were, there was strictness there without, without, uh, taking the belt off all the time, you know? So, um, we learned uh, about being self, uh, self-sufficient and working hard, um, uh, very early in life and that carried through for me and I'm passing that on to my boys. Yeah. Well, uh, learning artists, uh, your mom and dad, uh, and first, well, you're second generation Norwegian. Yep. Uh, which uh, I'm a huge fan of Norway and everything that Norway offers. But the thing that struck me, uh, just talking about what you're saying before, Kevin, the the allergy to MSG that you that you found out that you had, the yeah. catalyst for my health and the transformation was working out that I was gluten intolerant, which is the main ingredient in you know monosodium glutamate. And I was curious to know if you've since discovered if there was any other intolerances that you had that might have contributed to your health journey. You know, it, I, I don't know. It was an experiment all the time to figure out because I, I would eat what I want and do what I, I had a high metabolism. I mean, I was always working out and I was staying active. But, you know, the, as much candy and ice cream as I had, I should have weighed 300 pounds. But um, I, 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 the MSG, the, that happened because of the strokes, because it changed my body, physiology of my body or something. And um, I'm past it now. I can have it now. So, um, I don't really have any allergies I can speak of. I mean, if, if anything, I have a low tolerance to, uh, you know, I've had surgeries on my knees, so they put you out. Uh, you don't, for a guy my size, I, 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 I don't need much to put me out. So we used to tell doctors and they said, my God, we used about half the dosage that we'd normally use in a guy your size to knock you out for the surgery. So um, that's one thing that's, uh, that has stayed with me now. But um, other than that, I, I can pretty much eat what I want and, and do what I want. But uh, I guess I'm just, I just had that phase to go through, I guess, when I was going through my recovery. But, I, you know, I didn't drive for three years. 
I couldn't be in a car. I couldn't be in a car without cars going by. I couldn't be in a room at a restaurant with people talking. It was too much for my brain. My brain was trying to heal itself and all this external stuff going on. You know, you see it with little kids. They're going to a restaurant. They just knock out because they can't handle all the noise and stuff that's going on around them. So um, to me, it was uh, it, it was a tough road to, to come back and, and get back on. But uh, one of my favorite passions is, is golf. And I couldn't wait to get back to golfing. So it was about nine months into my recovery where I wanted to try golfing. My balance was getting to a point where I said, I got to try it. And um, it was about a year after that, there was a, a magazine article came out in a health magazine talking about stroke uh, survivors. They said one, one thing to do is golf because of the eye-hand coordination, the balance, all that stuff. And I'm going, I'm already doing it. So I guess I was ahead of the ball curve in that one. But uh, I, think that, I think that helped me a lot, you know. But I think my age helped. And the physical fitness level I was in at that time, if I'd have been an 80-year-old guy getting those strokes, it probably would have been a different story. Yeah, we might be doing the Kevin Silva obituary uh, special today. Yeah, you know, so I, I count my blessings, trust me. I, Kevin, I have a question for you. Yep. Uh, Laban and I have uh, suffered a baby loss through uh, multiple miscarriages and uh, an ectopic pregnancy. And I know that you, Sam, went through the similar situation with your twins. I just wanted to know uh, what would be your greatest um, advice how to get through this situation? I know it might be a blessing from one side, but sometimes it gets me and it puts me down. What would be your advice? Well, you know, um, I don't have a magic bullet for that. I mean, it was brutal when it happened to us. I mean, we were in our fourth month. And usually when you get by the third month, it's not clear sailing. But um, when we entered the fourth month, that's when I called up my parents. Actually, I, I was at my parents' house. And uh, I, I told them, um, you know, we had the first sonogram and all that kind of stuff. And uh, I said, what's the name? I'm from Minnesota originally. By the way, you guys have done your homework. I'm impressed. Um, but uh, I... I I told my parents, I said, being from the state of Minnesota, our major league baseball team is called the Minnesota Twins. So I said to my mom, I said, so what is the name of the Minnesota baseball team again? She goes, well, you twins, of course, you know. Oh, my God, you're having twins. And she just totally freaked out, you know, and then we were all celebrating. We're all happy. And then uh, like two and a half weeks later, when we went back to the doctor, uh, the doctor said, I think we have a problem here. And um, it's a loss. You feel the loss because the minute the minute. The, my wife was pregnant and the minute you're pregnant yourself, you know that there's a life there inside of you. You know that there's something there that's growing, whether it's a female or a male, you know, there's a life there. And uh, as tough as it was on me, I think it's tougher on the, on the woman. And she had to have that DNC surgery that did not carry surgery and stuff. And it was, uh, it was brutal, you know, and um, we got, we were fortunate to get pregnant again uh, and have Shane and Shane was 12 pounds, six ounces. So that's like a stone, right? 13 pounds. <laughs> oh, my God, father. Set a record, set a record. She was huge. My wife was huge. I mean, it's the biggest was, baby I've ever heard of in my life. It's, <laughs> a God it's, it's, it's still a record at the hospital. It's still a record at the hospital that we were oh. at. And um, they had to do an emergency C-section because th there's no way the baby was coming <laughs> out that way. And... Um, I, I just remember how big my wife was. My wife's name is Sam, as you know. And with, with, with Braid and our first child, she ate so healthy. I mean, it was, it was nothing but vegetables and just, just healthy, healthy salmon. That was it. And it was pretty easy. I mean, it took a while. We'd walk around the hospital. It was about a, how hot was it that day in August? I think it was 120 degrees that day, which is, I don't know, 50 degrees 
Pretty so, hot, so, yeah. About 50. Hot. So we thought walking around the hospital would help, and it did help. We walked like a couple blocks around, went in, and like five or six pushes, and the baby came out. Well, with Shane, she was so big. She gained, she gained, I think she gained like 75 pounds. <laughs> so I, from the side, she looked like a, like a half of the vitamin C capsule, you know, you have to take a full capsule, just as half a capsule. So I call her Samu, the killer whale, which I don't think she appreciated. <laughs> but but um, the baby started moving to her side. Like if, I'm sure you've had Charlie horses. Like I've had them in my thighs and in my calves and they are so painful. And I know this was 10 times worse. And I just ran for the nurse. I called her. The nurse came in. The nurse looked at my wife and she, you know, they're supposed to be cool and calm, but her face, she went, I'm going to get the nurse. And she ran out to get, I mean, the, the doctor, she ran out to get the doctor right away. We got to get you in right now. Did emergency surgery, emergency C-section. So I sat there and watched the whole alien thing the baby coming out of the stomach and everything. I was able to watch it because it was my kid. I don't know if I could watch somebody else's kid. And I just could tell the kid was huge. And they put him on the scale because trust me, as a father, you're going to follow that kid wherever he goes. Um, and his head was off the scale and his feet were off the scale. I took a picture and they ended up putting in People magazine. They said, son of Hercules, setting a record for the size and stuff. And uh, he's now 6'3", but he's just like skinny, just like little solid little like runner muscle you know but uh both my kids my oldest 19 i'm 6'3 so the other one's 6'3 my oldest now in 19 is 6'5 so he's taller than me now and he lets me know but um but when i I went back into my wife laughing and crying at the same time i whispered in her ears and i said our, our twins came back as one baby so we got the 13 pounds right there you know so um, it's become fun for my wife when she does meet people that have twins she says how much did they weigh combined because this one weighs more than almost every twin <laughs> Parents that we've met combined at birth. So it was, um, it was, but I'll tell you, they get back to what you said. I mean, I, I think prayer is a good thing. And you got like, you, you said it yourself. You got to look at it partially as a blessing as well, because obviously something was wrong there, you know, and, and nature has an amazing way of taking care of itself. But we, you know, we just, you know, when, when you, when you love something so much, it's so hard to really want to let go and understand that part, but yeah, you, you have to, I mean, it's, you know, it's, 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 tough to live in uh live in the past and as i said that was a roadblock you guys had to go through i mean i think of my 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 high school girlfriend that was really my first girlfriend was love of my life we dated for three years through high school and the college and her and her husband had seven miscarriages and uh i can't imagine we have to go through that time and time again but um uh you know i think i think with time and um i think stress is a big factor in life too and i think you got to find a way just to like you know, I'm a firm believer. I just got done working out. That's why I'm still kind of drying my hair here. But I, I still work out every day. I think working out, I think stretching, I think yoga, meditation. I think all those things are important. I tell people to say I have a hard time getting to bed at night. Mm -hmm. I said, you know what? Get down on your get down on your floor and by your bed, throw on the TV or something or put on music. Or whatever. Stretch for 20 minutes. Just stretch. Uh, it relaxes your body, you know, and uh, sip tea or something. But I think I think there's so much anxiety there's so much hate and anger in our world right now um covid all this other stuff it's just people are just people are just getting fed up we're at a tipping point right now and uh i see it here in america now you know wear a mask don't wear a mask and you you know you, you question all these authorities because the hypocrisy of it all is starting driving us crazy and i'm sure it's doing the same for you guys down there well we've just gone into another five-day stage four lockdown over here kevin which means no uh five kilometer 
radius around the house, one hour or two hours a day for exercise shopping, like for for a few cases. And and uh, as a result, you know, Anna and I are actually relocating to to Queensland to the Sunshine Coast uh, later this year. Um, we've got family up there, and and it's a little less uh, crazy out there, you know. You can't you can't hide from this thing. I don't I don't dismiss the fact that it's contagious. But I look at the numbers, and the average age dying is over eighty. It's eighty one years old, and they all have pre existing conditions. Are there other cases that 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 will dispute that? Sure, there are. But the vast majority are people that are elderly, people that have pre existing conditions, whether it's asthma or or cancer or you know previous stroke or whatever it may be, heart problems. And to sit there and hide from this thing doesn't make any sense. Everywhere I'm reading, even the World Health Organization and the Center for Disease Controls say that if you get it, there's a 99.7% chance you'll survive it. So if, if in America, we've had flu vaccines since, well, for 79 years now, okay, almost 80 years, we've had a flu vaccine. And every year we average 50,000 people are dying from a flu with a vaccine. You, you need to develop all our lives, mankind has has been exposed to viruses and things. You need to develop these 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 herd immunity that to talk about. You can't hide from it. And all these locks down do is lengthen it because once you take it down and people go back out again and go to a rugby match or go to whatever, they're going to spread it around again. Well, these kids in masks. When I see five year old kids wearing masks, to me that's child abuse. This is ridiculous. I mean, I love to see the numbers worldwide. How many children have passed away from COVID? It's probably no, no, it's probably less than the flu. I mean, and like I said, I'm not saying that this is not a real thing. Of course it is. But I think there's more to it. I think they're using fear as a weapon to control our lives. And I see what all the businesses that have gone under. I mean, we have our big companies here like Walmart and Costco and Target. They're still open. But if you're a mom and pop grocery store going on your fourth generation of owning a store, you're not essential. We got to close you down. I, that's it's unbelievable what we're doing to people, and this is all about controlling over our lives right now. Yeah, well, I, I know you've been super vocal about that, Kim, and I know you've copped a, um, a bit of flack or a lot of flack. And I know that just the other day they shut down your Facebook account, and yeah. uh, you know you, I know you're a proud American, freedom of speech, and and uh, what sort of impact on you and your family does that that feeling where you feel like you're being it's, it's unconstitutional, you know? Well, you know, people are filled. We have so many people filled with hate and anger. It's, I think to get in the psycho- psychology of these people, these trolls, these cancel culture people, I really honestly think they hate their lives. They hate their jobs that they have one. They hate the relationships that they have one. So what they want to do is misery loves company. They want to drag anybody down. And I'm, I'm a guy that's known around the world, you know. So they, it, for them to sit there and get me canceled in something, they take pride in that. This is pure evil out there right now. But these are sick individuals that need, more than anything, they need us to pray for them. And, 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 and re- try to reach out to them. But I mean, I never get, nobody comes up to me in, when I'm walking through the airport or hotel lobbies or restaurants and say, the only people come up to me and say, we love what you're doing. We love your movies. We love that you do movies that have, that have faith, that have hope, that have redemption and love, have laughter, all these things. Those are the kind of movies I want to do. There's so much hate and anger in every movie coming out there right now. You know, there's, it's, everything deals with violence and just weirdness. Um, yeah, I like a good zombie movie too, but okay. You know, can we have movies that have some reality in it, too, that that people that are I think most people are good people. But it doesn't take much in today's society for these punks, these 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 cyber bullies, because that's what they are to uh, destroy people's lives with lies. They don't they don't know anything about me. They know nothing about me. They know me as this guy who played this act, actor in these different shows. But beyond that, they know nothing about me. And um, it, it's incredibly frustrating for Facebook to take me down for what? 
I, I post out there, okay, this is what this doctor says about COVID. This is what this person is saying about our election here in America. And you get taken down. I said, what are your thoughts? You know, I post stuff that's got a lot of truth to it, a lot of humor to it. But, you know, um, Facebook, for whatever reasons, has become bigger than our government. And to me, it's, it's sad that we're letting these people get away with what they're getting away with. And uh, it's a battle we're going to have to keep fighting because it makes no sense to me. Our, our forefathers made the Constitution not for the times. They made it to last forever, to last for time. This country was founded on individuals, not big government. And, uh, you know, I, 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 you look at America and people can bash all they want, but this is still a country that people come to more than any other country. I mean, we have over 340 million people living here now. Canada was formed the same time we were. Their government formed, they have 30 million people, okay? And that's a socialist country. Um, but we are now a socialist country as well. And I've got plenty of friends that live here. I lived in Europe for three and a half years, and I keep in touch with some of these guys over there saying, you know, what's going on in your country is the same thing that happened to us decades ago. And people that have left Europe and come here, coming from Russia, wherever, they're saying, what I see now happening in America is the same thing that happened in my country. And it's, it's sad that we're letting this happen to us. I, to me, it's like, I scratch my head, but I, I get more mad that we let these little trolls, these little wimpy guys have this control. I wish they'd come up to my face, not have a fight. I don't need a fight about it, but let's have a discussion about it. I, 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 I asked them to be brave enough to come up and say, hey, I'm the guy that wanted to take you down because um, I believe in Marxism or I believe in what, whatever. I post stuff out there that's true. When I post stuff about COVID, this is the stuff that the CDC and the World Health Organization is saying, not me. You know, I'm just reposting what they're saying. But it's, I told you, we live in absolutely insane times right now. And people out there are just, uh, look at the violence we have going on, the destruction of people's businesses and people with baseball bats and guns killing and shooting other people in our streets in the American cities right now. It's crazy. Yeah, it's, uh, I mean, being on the, the receiving end of the news over here, Kevin, I certainly found that it did me no favours getting on there every day trying to figure out code. I just got so infuriated and and at times would lose my call, I'll, you know, be totally honest. So the best thing I've done is just cut out a lot of that stuff as much as I can, um, which which is still, a you know, a challenge at times. But I suppose for you and your family, I know you moved to Florida not that long ago and, and would you ever consider buying a place in New Zealand and just disappearing off the face of the earth? No, my dream has always been, I've said this for, for years. I probably, when I, after Hercules finished, I did a show up in Canada and I hope Canadians won't take us a blast of them. I love Canada. When I talked earlier about their population compared to ours, I think it's just too cold for a lot of people up there. I mean, the guys that play golf with down here, all three of them are Canadian guys. So, but um, I love Vancouver and I shot Andromeda up there for five years. But if I could get another seven year series in New Zealand, I've been saying this for the last dozen years, easy. I, I would I would do it in a second and I would retire down there. I would. I would just say that's where I would stay. I loved it down there. I, I had a blast. Um, I don't, the only tough thing for me was the last two years of my series, just just fighting through my illness. It just it sucked. I mean, I, I joke about how I wouldn't I wouldn't wish what happened to me on my on my worst enemy. Then I said, well, I'd give it to the Taliban. They could have it. They could they could have it. But, <laughs> but beyond but beyond that, um, uh, the last two years was 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 too bad for me because my crew was awesome and we laughed every day on that set. It was, it was such a blessing to be on that show. And um, the only, the only problem I had was Peter Jackson telling me at the, at the Lord of the Rings, I went to the Lord of the Rings party at the Academy Awards. And he said, you know, your show really started the industry in, in our country in terms of in a, a bigger scale. 
um, in terms of training people from extras to camera guys, the lighting, whatever it may be. And I said, well, that's nice to hear, Peter, but you've never put me in one of your movies. <laughs> Did he ever say why? I said, come on, man. <laughs> but um, the biggest thing, the biggest mistake I made, I think down there, was not getting dual citizenship. Uh, when I was down there, I met with the prime minister at the time, it was Jenny Shipley. Yeah, Dame Jenny and Shipley, know, yeah. And I, and I know we talked about it. And she didn't really follow through with it. It wasn't her fault, but I didn't really follow through. It was really my fault. And I should have got dual citizenship. I lived there for seven years. And I think one of the one of the things they sort of required, if you come to New Zealand, you got to bring something with you to get jobs. Well, we created about 700 jobs down there. And I think over seven years brought well over $250 million into the country. So um, I blew it because that would have let, I could have worked in Australia, Canada, Scotland, Ireland, England, all part of the Commonwealth. So I kicked myself for not doing that at that time. That was not a good business move on my part. And I, I always say I'm a good businessman, but I, I blew it there. I've still got her phone number, Kevin, if you want it. <laughs> I, do, I truly do. I invited her on the show last year, but uh, she had too much going on. I mean, who would have thought the former prime minister would have too much going on? But uh. no, that's amazing. <laughs> tell her, tell her, tell her to make me a citizen. <laughs> I'm sure we can manage that. Kevin, uh, we're very respectful of your time. Do you have any concluding thoughts before we wrap this up? Um, yeah, you know what? Tell Go to SorboFamilyFilmStudios.com. SorboFamilyFilmStudios.com. Please have everybody sign up there, get your information. We do have a lot of stuff coming out. We, we're always looking for fundraisers. It's hard to raise. You know, I, the movies I do in a three, four million range, that sounds like a lot of money. That's like catering budget on Avatar or Pirates of the Caribbean. Those are $300 million movies. So, and like I said before, we do movies that have a good message and have a solid message of hope and love and faith. And uh, we're hoping more people... Uh, will want to jump on board. And I'm going to give you a quick view of my uh, my backyard here so you can see the paradise that, oh. I, that I that I moved to here in Florida, if you can see my uh, the, lake, the, lake, the lake we live on here. For our listening audience, he's just showed us paradise. Looks like something out of a Greek, a Greek it's god. Pretty <laughs> it's pretty good. We, did, we, just, we just moved in. We still got boxes all over the house right now. So oh, we're, still, we're still settling in. We've only been here for about two weeks. But... Uh, uh, we've been looking for a long time out here, and this this is just it's been it's been amazing. Well, we yeah we really enjoyed your Let There Be Light movie last night. It's not a movie I would ordinarily oh, cool. watch, but Anna was bawling her eyes out at the end, and uh, so yeah, you definitely nailed that one, Kevin. Oh, thank you. I, I directed that one as well, and I got another one coming out called Miracle in East Texas, and it's got John Ratzenberger in it, and uh, Lou Gossett Jr. and Tyler Maine, people that uh. No Tyler Maine from the WWF. He's a 6'9 wrestler guy, but he's also Sabretooth in all the X-Men movies. Yeah, and, uh, that was my that was my that was my uh wife in that movie, played my ex-wife in the movie. Wow. Fantastic. That was, was Sam. And those are my two boys in that one as well. So uh more to come, guys. More to come. Hey guys, Kevin Serbo here, and I just finished an interview with the Laban Ditchburn. He's awesome, he's great, he's fair, he's he's well versed. And I gotta tell you one thing, he was incredibly prepared. He did his history on me. I was blown away by some of the things I didn't even know that he knew about, so or anybody knew about for that matter. So it was it was awesome. So uh, highly recommend it, and uh, uh, he's he's a, he's a good mate. All the best. It's Laban Ditchburn, and I really hope you're enjoying the podcast. The reason for this message was this: if you have your own podcast or your own YouTube channel, or you're seriously thinking about starting something up in order to get your message out into the world, I want to make something available to you. 
Go to podcastingheroes.com for your free five-day video training. Well, I will share with you five key tips and tricks that will allow you to reach out and connect with the best podcast guests available. And not only just bring them on, but to develop relationships with them that build into know, like, and trust that will eventuate in you being invited onto their platforms if you so desire. You'll be able to learn how to monetize even if you don't have a big audience. Go to podcastingheroes.com. It's P-O-D-C-A-S-T-I-N-G-H-E-R-O-E-S.com.